the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you today on this fine Thursday afternoon. Give me a call and join the conversation. 888-528-2557. 888-LA-TALKS is the easy way to remember that. 888-LA-TALKS. It's 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I know that many of you are sitting at your desk and you're like, oh, I want to call, which obviously you do, but sometimes it's just easier to send that email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Nelson, I got your email. Thank you very much for that. It was something related to the last hour. And uh, we had a lot of laughs last hour talking about uh, 4th of July and some other things going on. And I uh, wanted to take a look at the news a little bit. We take some time to look at the stuff going on in the world from a Christian perspective. That is a big part of our show. And not just to put a biblical worldview behind things, but also to help us be able to have conversations in a little more, um, I don't know, put to, to have a little more understanding of what's going on. And sometimes things happen in the news that are big stories that really get blown out of proportion or blown a different way than what actually is said. And maybe nothing more than Supreme Court justice decisions uh, create that. Uh, one of the things the Supreme Court did, did today is it's kind of technical, but you're hearing a lot about the Supreme Court and maybe they did something to uh, destroy the EPA to say that the Environmental Protection Agency doesn't have authority, which is not at all what they said. Uh, not even close. Paul Krugman from the New York Times wrote, undoing Roe is awful, but kneecapping the environmental regulation is existential. The Supreme Court has just come down on the side of civilizational collapse. Is the world going to come to an end because the uh, Supreme Court decided that the EPA needs to get approval from Congress before they do certain things related to smokestacks at some uh, electrical plants? Well, apparently, uh, that's the deal. This is uh, Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts responding to the Supreme Court's decision today. Well, this is an historic evisceration of the authority of the EPA to regulate greenhouse gases. Um, our country and the planet is it, right now suffering from a four-alarm fire. The planet is is running a fever. There are no emergency planets. We have to put it into um, we have to put it into preventative care. And what the uh, Supreme Court said today is that the EPA is going to be stripped of their authority to um, to put in place the measures that can reduce the danger that greenhouse gas pose to our planet and to the well-being of everyone in our country. Everybody kind of is uh, responding that way. I watched in all the stations, you know, most people. But that's not at all what the Supreme Court decided today. Not even close. They did not decide it's illegal to regulate fossil fuels. It said that those regulations, some of those regulations, in fact, in the case that was in front of them, have to come from Congress and not just be made up by an executive branch agency of the government. And this is something that is has been changing for a while. And I think it's a it's it goes into understanding how our government is supposed to work. There are a lot of things that aren't functioning the way we're designed. And the Supreme Court has been in recent years a little bit more on top of it. And one of those things is that in the 
It's the 4th of July weekend, right? So we can talk a little bit about government and some of the structure. We have three branches of government. And no, the three branches are not President, Senate, and the House. It's the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. You probably learned that in the third grade at some point. But if you've forgotten that, there is supposed to be a balance of power, checks and balances, right? And each one of those groups, they decide different things. So Congress makes the laws. The president uh, runs the country administratively. He's the executive of the country. And the justices determine whether or not those laws are constitutional or whether or not the actions of the president are constitutional. And people can bring their grievances through the court system. And uh, you try to do that. And uh, But each one of them has their role. One of the problems in our country today, and I'm glad that the Supremes are deciding this, I am, because I think that it's important that we get back to the country we were supposed to be. The Supremes are basically saying Congress has a job to do, even when it comes to environmental issues or crises or other things, and it needs to be passing laws. The reason that Congress does that is because they're accountable to the people with our votes. Supreme Court justices aren't. Ultimately, they're there for life once they get on the court. Uh, the president is accountable to the people also, but every four years, and he's limited now to two terms. But what's happened over time is we've developed all these agencies, right? So there's the EPA. That's the Environmental Protection Agency. There is the uh, much maligned CDC, Centers for Disease Control. It's an important agency. All of those agencies have some import to them. The Supremes earlier this year rejected the CDC because the CDC was responsible for the uh, eviction moratoriums because of the COVID. And they said to landlords, you can't evict people during this period of time of COVID. And they kind of kept extending that. The question before the court was not, is it a good policy or a wise thing for the United States to, uh, during the COVID crisis, to not allow people to be evicted? And you can understand that question, right? Because if everybody is supposed to be home and you're in a situation where you can't pay the rent for whatever reason, you've lost your job and people are losing their jobs everywhere. You might have had some other reason why you lost your job. You can understand why the government would say, "Okay, nobody gets to be kicked out of their place right now uh, until this is over. The problem is, is that the people who should have decided that is the Congress or local governments so that they can still be accountable by the people. The problem with the CDC is because the CDC is a bunch of bureaucrats appointed by the executive branch, the president, who don't, they're not accountable to anybody. You don't get to vote specifically for the leadership of the CDC or the EPA or the FDA or the FTC or whatever group of letters you want to throw together. You don't get to vote for those people. They work for the executive branch. They are appointed, typically the leaders are appointed, typically by whoever the president is. So you have some opportunity to have a voice, but it's not the same. And one of the things that we've learned in time is that, hey, what does it mean when unelected officials are making decisions that really impact our lives in very specific ways that may or may not be the right thing to do? Where's the accountability? Where is the check? And that is something that the Supremes basically decided today, and they've decided that same kind of thing with some other cases. They have said, hey, We're not saying that these EPA regulations are bad. We're saying that Congress is the one who needs to 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 make them, not the unelected folks at the EPA. That's the decision that the courts are making. Does that make sense to you? And I think that matters in in these kinds of conversations that we and we have these conversations with people in our life. Like so from the Christian perspective, when we have political conversations with other people. 
we need to be truthful if we can. We need to be accurate. See, and, and it can go both ways. A lot of uh, people get frustrated because President Biden, on his first day in office and a few since then, have, you know, he passed a lot of executive orders. And a lot of those executive orders were undoing executive orders that President Trump did. And a lot of the executive orders that President Trump did were undoing things that President Obama did. Some of what Biden did was to redo things that President Obama did. President Obama was famously quoted as saying, if Congress won't get its act together, then he is going to use his phone and his pen to get things done. And the idea was through executive order, through executive fiat, he was essentially going to pass laws. And that is what he did. George W. Bush did a few. There's always some executive orders, but they have increased and they have increased in such a way that they're, they tend to be things that the Congress should be doing, but the Congress isn't doing. And what the Supreme Court is saying is that the Congress isn't doing its job, that the Congress is relying on the courts to set policy and procedure, which is not the court's job. The courts are saying that the president is uh, taking over things sometimes that the Congress needs to do. And the courts have, have participated in this. When you look at some of the things that have gone on in recent years, when President Trump came to office, he undid a lot of the things that President Obama did. And he did it because it was executive orders. And if President Obama could just do it, then the next president can just undo it. And then President Biden came in and did his own thing and redid a few of those things. And in 2024, if a Republican is elected to the presidency, that Republican can just undo a bunch of stuff that Biden did. And suddenly you don't have issues that are being debated. You don't have issues that are being um, run through the Congress that the voters have a lot more say about. And that's the problem, is that their government's not made to work that way. The Supreme Court has participated in this. You know what's the one thing that Donald Trump could not overturn that President Obama did? The big one was Obamacare. Now, eventually, the Congress decided to not pay attention to the mandate and to, you know, it kind of undid. But that was what the Congress did. But the reason that President Trump could not undo Obamacare with the stroke of a pen is because that's the one thing that President Obama didn't do with the stroke of a pen. There was a law. It went through Congress. And it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme said it's it's the law of the land. That's how it's supposed to work. That's why it can't be undone unless Congress undoes it. Now, there's a controversy with that because when it came to the Supreme Court, Justice Roberts um, took the decision and upheld it by changing the law. I would be a person who believes that he should have – I think what, what he did was he called the – remember you have this uh, – this mandate, you have to purchase health care. So the controversy in the law is, can the government force you to buy a product, even if it's a product that you ought to have? Right? That's the, that's the controversy, is does the federal government have the power to force citizens to use their money to buy a product? And that's what health insurance is. It's a product. We hate looking at it that way, and it's awful to look at it that way, but that's what it is. It's a product. Well, they called it a a a fee, uh, a mandate, a whole bunch of things. The interesting thing is that the Congress has the authority to tax you for it. The Congress can say health care tax and provide health care. If the, if the government ever has national health care, if we ever do that, it will be – you will be taxed. You will be taxed tremendously if there is government health care. But it will be a tax. You will – you will have to report it kind of like you do already. Now, the reason you have to report this and have some some things on your turbo tax and on your taxes is because what happened is, is the Congress didn't call it a tax. 
it came to the Supreme Court because people said they can't do this because this is a tax and it's not a tax. And uh, Justice Roberts said, well, they didn't say tax, but it really is a tax. So the uh, bill survives as a tax. The argument that's being made by people who are opposed to Justice Roberts' decision is that he should have sent it back to the court, to the Congress, that he should have said, if you would have called it a tax, we would have upheld the bill. But because you didn't call it a tax, we're sending it back to you. You need to make it a tax. I think, and I would agree with that. I think that's what he should have done because that's Congress's job. What Congress has been doing and what the presidents have been doing, both sides, Republicans and Democrats, is using the – the Congress has just been doing everything it can to not make decisions because then they're not accountable. They don't vote on something. And if they don't vote on it, then they don't have to come back to their voters and explain why they voted one way or another on a controversial issue. Uh, I think they're going to make sure that they don't vote on anything related to abortion right now, right? Everybody's saying, oh, we're going to get rid of the – we need to get rid of the filibuster and we need to do that. But that's not going to happen. President Biden said that today. It isn't going to happen because there's already Democratic senators who say they're not going to vote for that. It's over. It's not going to happen that way. And that means that nobody's going to vote on it. But where it leaves things is that in Congress, people are going to say they're on one side or the other of the issue, but they've never actually had to make a decision about it. They've never actually had to vote. See, and they're doing that on all kinds of issues, including environmental issues. And environmental issues are controversial. They're doing it in uh, multiple issues, and so pretty soon laws aren't passed. It frustrates presidents then who would like to get things done. Frustrated President Obama. That's why he said the thing about the pen and the phone. And so then the presidents are using the executive branch and executive administrations to do something about it. And the Supremes are saying no. The Supremes are saying this can't be done anymore. This is wrong. This is not the way our government is supposed to work. And I think the Supremes are right. That makes it a lot harder in the sense of people have to be accountable. But don't we want a government that is accountable? What the Supreme Court is doing is it's using the phrase administrative state. That is in the the justice's opinion. It was a six to three decision among ide- ideological lines. And that's a little disappointing to me because I think this should be nine to nothing. That's my opinion. My thought is that really the Supremes really ought to stay out of decisions that Congress should be making. And it's it's very technical. And there's probably people who would argue from – obviously there's people who would argue from different sides of it. But what they're saying is that the administrative state is the sprawling federal bureaucracy that is creating a whole bunch of rules that act like laws, that operate like laws, that control people's lives like laws, yours life, my life. But they're not actually laws. And we've learned something, I think, also through the COVID is that we had county administrators, maybe like the county health persons in different counties, make up their own rules about you staying home from work or closing down your business or deciding which business is essential and which isn't. And the problem with that is not that maybe somebody shouldn't make that decision in a crisis. The problem is an unelected official is making that decision. Somebody who the voters have no accountability or has no accountability to the voters. Does that make sense? That's what we're trying to avoid, where if the government is going to shut you down uh, and elected officials decide your business is essential and this other business is not essential, you have two options. You can take it to the courts if the court feels that it is unfair. So, for example, churches went to court and decided that the shutdown rules were a violation of the First Amendment, the freedom of religion. 
and they said that churches are being treated unfairly. Now, originally, if you remember all of this, during the beginning of 2020 and the shutdowns, the courts did not side with the churches initially, and that's because everybody was shut down, and it was kind of the same rules for everybody, and they said, no, it's not It's not, you know, any kind of um, you know, slight against churches because everybody shut down the same way. But then things changed. Then all of a sudden, some theaters in Nevada opened up, and the churches were not allowed to open up. And people said, hey, if I can sit for three hours and watch some Vegas show, then I should be able to sit for an hour in church and watch that show. And that was initially shot down, but eventually the Supreme shot down all of the regulations about churches because they were unfair. In Southern California, the big one was the strip clubs were open, but the churches were not. That made no sense. There was some pastor. There was some pastor out there who uh, started taking off his clothes during his sermon. Do you remember that? Uh, you know, he didn't really get that far that you couldn't watch it with your kids. But he was just making a point. He was saying, "Look, I guess I got to do this in order to be open." And that's where you you need the courts for that kind of uh, relief. But the other way to do it is you need to have people you know in in our country if there's something that is unfair or just something that that the people don't agree with policy wise, you need to be able to to vote them out. You need to be able to vote against the people who are doing a policy that you don't like or vote for people who would implement a policy that you like with the idea that you could vote them out one day. See, that's that's how it's supposed to operate. But when you have the president doing executive actions that are implemented then by administrative, uh, the administrative state is what it's called, the EPA or the different uh, alphabet letter government organizations, they're not held accountable. There's no way to do it. Accountability matters. Accountability matters not just in the matters of government that we have, but they matter, they matter with each one of us. They matter in our homes. It matters in our churches. It matters in our businesses. And when people are not in a position to be held accountable, imagine in your company that somebody has all kinds of authority and they're not accountable to the board or they're not accountable to, you know, somebody who's a higher up in the company and you just, or you're not accountable if you're the CEO and there is nobody above you, there are still some government regulations that are good, right? Or laws that the Congress have passed, you're accountable to the law. That's important because if you don't have that, then you're going to have corruption. Then you're going to have things happen that shouldn't happen because there's not debate anymore. And that's one of the things that happens in the executive branches of our government is there's not debate anymore. You know, in your churches, biblically, you have different different ways of doing church, right? You have different governance and different ways that, you know, Baptists and Lutherans and Presbyterians and non-denominationals and whoever you are, you have a different way of doing church. That's all fine. But somebody's got to be accountable at some point, you know, the some point there has to be accountability for the leadership with an understanding that they're the leaders they're the ones who have to make decisions they should be protected from false accusation and they should be um allowed i think to make decisions because they're the ones in charge same in your company or anywhere else but there should be a way for those decisions to be reversed or challenged if they're bad and typically the person gets fired, right? Or the person um, gets overruled by another governing authority, if that's the way it works. But if you took that out, if there's just some other agency out there that has um, the authority to do whatever they want, a county health commissioner who is not elected by anybody, a representative from the EPA who is doing more with a law than what the Congress said he could do with the law, that's what the Supreme Court said. So the point of all of this 
is in our conversations, when you watch the news and you watch people saying things about what's going on in the uh, with the Supreme Court today, they're getting it wrong on this EPA case. And the other case, we won't get into all the details, but the uh, the other case that came out today was the immigration one where the Biden administration wins its uh, ability to uh, reverse Donald Trump's stay in Mexico policy. The reason for that is because of the history of the court and constitutionally, the Constitution and the courts have always found that the executive does have the authority to set immigration policy. Now, I would like us to have a policy. One way or the other, it would be good to have some kind of policy. That's a whole other discussion. But the reason Biden wins today is because it's the same reason that Trump won when Trump said, I don't want people from these countries coming into our country. Why did the Supreme Court go with him? Because he has the constitutional authority to do that. Uh, and that's why that happened today. See, what I'm getting at really with all this is not even to get into the left and right of all of these issues. Those are interesting conversations, and we can talk about it if you want to. But I care a lot about our conversations that we have with each other about these things. It's all over the news. If you're sitting down with people, you're going to have Fourth of July parties. You might talk about these things. I think it helps the church. It helps our audience. It helps us to get it right, especially when what we're seeing on the news is completely wrong. And so much of what's being said today is just not right at all. It's not what the court decided. It's not at all what they are thinking about. Accountability matters. It matters to each one of us. All right, that's the uh, that's the segment with all that. I hope that is helpful for you. You can call and comment if you'd like. The number is 888-528-2557, I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you on this afternoon. Scott Furrow with you. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, I'm amused by a story in the New York Post that says, uh, large sharks are here. Scientists issued dire warning to Cape Cod beachgoers, uh, which I think means we've learned something in the last um, 40 years, 50 years, is that you do tell people at the beach that the shark is going to eat them. Not like that movie where the, they just let everybody go to the beach on the 4th of July and get eaten by the shark. Did you see that movie? You know the movie I'm talking about, uh, Jaws? It's a great movie. Uh, first movie I ever saw in my life was Jaws. Absolutely the first movie my parents took me to was Jaws. I was three years old. And uh, it was a drive-in uh, drive-in movie, and I think they thought I talked. My mom's probably listening, and I bring this up all the time. But you know, it's it's I'm I suppose I'm scarred somehow by it. Uh, three years old, and um, I remember screaming and yelling from the back seat. My mother pushing my head back into the back seat. Uh, today is uh, how we developed as people in Generation X, and uh, that is one of the themes of our show. And that's what I remember. That's the very first movie I ever went to. I went to Jaws, and. Uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, – I remember it vividly. I remember the end of it where uh, – what's his name? The actor's name. I can't remember his name now, but he got eaten up at the end of the of Jaws. His son actually looks just like him and does all these videos out there. Uh, first movie I ever saw was Jaws. Now, uh, in that movie, they didn't warn people. The authorities did not warn people about going to the beach even though the shark was out there. And um, that was a mistake, and the uh, the shark ate people. I guess people in real life didn't go to the beach after that movie came out. Like that was a thing. Like you would after you would afterward you would go to the beach. Did you have this experience? And you would go to the beach, 
and not go in the water because you were afraid. And when Jaws 2 came out, that was the slogan for Jaws 2. It was just when you were just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water. Jaws 2. And um, Jaws 2, they made that movie. Unfortunately, they also made Jaws 3, which was a, a horrific tragedy. And then Jaws 4. We won't even get into all of that. The When I was, uh, I don't know, I was 30 years old. In my 30s, I decided to go surfing for the first time. And I was surfing out in uh, La Jolla Shores, San Diego area. And the first time I ever went surfing, I got attacked by a shark. So see, that's how God uses this together. It uh, first movie I ever saw was Jaws, and I remember doing that. And I was three years old, and it was in my head, kept me out of the water for a while. Then I decided to learn how to surf because I wanted to be a cool guy, and I got attacked by a shark first time I stood up on the board. Uh, it's not exactly right that story. Just to uh, you know, back it up a little bit. It's one of those things. Actually, I attacked the shark. That's that's the better way of putting it. I had this really long board, and it was like a leopard shark or something. It was huge. It was like five feet long, and it had very sharp teeth. Um, and, uh, what happened was I got up on the board and it's the first time I ever actually stood up. So I'm standing up on the surfboard and on the board with me is this leopard shark all of a sudden, and he's mad and I could see his teeth coming after me like that. And, uh, that was it for me. That was it for me for the day. I was done. I walked back onto the, uh, beach and, uh, that was my, my surfing experience with Jaws. Anyway, glad that we have learned something with accountability that they are warning people about these sharks in the water in uh, Cape Cod. Uh, So you always want to be careful uh, about that if you happen to be going there for the weekend, if you can get there without your flight being canceled, which is a whole other thing. Are you leaving this weekend to go somewhere? If if you are, uh, I guess the flights are being canceled a lot. They don't have enough pilots. It's kind of like the Starbucks down the street. They don't have enough baristas, the coffee shops. There's just nobody working. What happened to all these people? Why do we have such low unemployment, and yet you go to the mall and there's all these places that are closed because they don't have employees. They can't get people to work there. What's happening with that? Are you one of those? Did you just not go back to work? That's what they're saying. They're saying just a lot of people are like, you know, and originally it was because the government was paying you not to work. You know, why would you go back to work if they're paying you more money to not go to work? Uh, you still should if you uh, uh, have a good work ethic. But a lot of people didn't do that. But that is uh, over now for the most part, and people aren't back at work. If you want to join our conversation, this is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Uh, a lot of strange things going on in the world today. There was a protest in London um, about uh, oil from a, a group of people that are about getting rid of uh, oil and all of fossil fuels. And what these kids did was they glued their hands to the to a Vincent van Gogh painting in a museum. And so there are two kids. They glued their hands to this Vincent van Gogh painting, and uh, this is what they said to reporters. Sorry, everybody. We don't want to be doing this. We're here glued to this painting, this beautiful painting, because we're terrified for our future. We're here from a group called Just for Oil. Um, we expect to be arrested today. Um, we're here because the UK government is pushing through over 40 new fossil fuel projects and with every single project they sign, it's like signing our death warrant. My generation has no other choice but to take this kind of action. For 30 years, we've been outside Parliament with our banners and our flags. For 30 years, nothing has gotten done. If there were any other way of getting the change we need, we would have done it. We've tried everything else. He says, if there was any other way to get you to stop using fossil fuels, other way, and he says, I don't know if you could hear it very well, if you could get through the accent, but he says... Uh, We have been for 30 years, this kid's not 30 years old, so we as other people, 
for 30 years outside of Parliament with our our banners and our T-shirts. And uh, he says, if there was any other way to help with the environment than to glue our hands to the frame of this Vincent Van Gogh painting. See, I think this is a good example of how we have globally failed in our school systems altogether. Seems to me that if you're going to protest and use Van Gogh to do that, you could cut off your ear. That would get a lot more attention anyway than gluing your hand to the uh, side of the painting. Uh, I must be in a mood today. I mean, that's kind of gross, isn't it, Scott? You know, he said cut off your ear. No, Van Gogh cut off his ear. That was the That's the joke. That's the line there. Um, I think that maybe some of the reason we're not getting things done is we're not focusing on what really – we can do. Uh, I think we could recycle. How about we become a group of people, a society, a global society that works really hard to actually recycle, regardless of what you believe about climate change or the controversies or all of those different things. What if we became incredibly good at recycling? And I mean, really recycling, recycling or decycling. What is decycling? It must be like riding your bicycle backwards. Recycling. Shouldn't we do them? It's on my mind because I mentioned today that uh, that I uh, moved to L.A. and uh, you do things differently with the trash here, that the trash goes in the blue one and the recycling goes in the black one, trash cans that they give you. And it's the opposite in San Diego. And uh, so this has been on my mind all day long that um, we can actually we have to recycle backwards. But the point here is that something that goes on and maybe you've heard of this or not. But it's called aspirational recycling. Do you know what aspirational recycling is? It's recycling where we say we recycle, but we really don't. So it's like you go to uh, one of those places where they have the trash cans and they want you to recycle differently. So they have one place where you put the plastic recyclables. There's another one where you put um, paper recyclables. And then there's another receptacle where you put um, it'll say landfill usually, like like to shame you. This is going into the landfill if you put it in this one. But if you put your plastics in here, it'll be recycled. And if you put your paper in this one, it'll be recycled. But if you put it in this other one, it goes in the landfill. And you're a bad person. I've noticed, and I for real I've noticed, I'm not making this part up, that sometimes there's only one bag underneath it. So there's three slots where you can put your trash, but it all goes in the same one. That's called aspirational recycling. You you feel good about recycling, but you're not really recycling. You think that you have taken the time to separate your plastics and your glass and uh, your paper uh, away, but actually no one's on the other end really doing anything about it. Now, we're doing some of that. Uh, we're doing some recycling, and it's good. I'm all for recycling. I think, uh, I think, I think recycling is a good thing. We're supposed to be stewards of the earth. We are supposed to take care of the environment, and we don't need to get nuts about different things. We should be concerned about things. But one of the things that we can actually do is recycling. And uh, But we shouldn't pretend. Now, there's at Universal Studios – I'm going to mention their name because they say this right in the thing. They don't go through the whole process of making you put the uh, trash into different receptacles. There's a sign on the trash can that says, we sort through it for you. And is that true? Do you have that job? I would love to hear from you. 888-528-2557 is your job to sort through recycling. I'd love to hear how efficient you think it is. So are you the one at Universal Studios who has to go through the trash, who like has to separate the Harry Potter napkin from the Harry Potter bottle of water or the, uh, you know, whatever it is and actually go through it? Are you doing that? Uh, 
great if you're doing that. That's, you know, somebody needs to do that. That that seems to make more sense to me when it comes to uh, environmentalism and doing things that we actually could do. Somebody must be hired to do that, right? Am I right? Do, am I right about that? Universal, I saw that on the trash can uh, up there. Uh, I think that uh, that's awfully hard work, difficult work, but it's something that we can do because we can recycle. Do you recycle? Do you think that there is something more that we could do without getting like these poor kids who think they have no future, who are being told, you know, I have no place, you know, you have taken away my future. Um, and, and it isn't to mock the idea that we need to take care of the environment, but uh, people have been saying this for 50 years that we've got uh, these climate uh, problems coming. And if we do, the problem is, is that we've been saying it for 50 years and been wrong all the time. Um, there's got to be a moderate approach to these things that says, hey, why don't we do the things that we could do? I don't know. Just just something I'm, I'm thinking about. The aspirational recycling thing had to do with uh, I guess we were sending a lot of our plastics over to China and they were recycling them. But they let us know that a couple of years ago they stopped doing that, that they're just putting it in a hole. And uh, so you think you're recycling here in uh, California, but you're not. Um, This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557, I know that in California we're supposed to start recycling our food scraps too now, right? There's two laws to divert waste from landfills. Um, and I don't think it's bad. I just wonder if it's really, if we're really going to do it or if we're just saying we're going to do it. So pretty soon you're going to be required to put your food waste in a separate canister at your house. So you're going to have the recyclables, probably plastics and stuff, but they want to put your food somewhere else. And I think the reason is because the organic waste is something much better to put in the ground if you're going to do that. But I think it also makes it impossible to actually recycle things. So like if you've got you know, paper plates or something, but you ate pizza on it, I think you can't recycle it. Like it's just, it, it. you can put it in the recycle thing, but it doesn't really do. So the law requires that you have to put at least 20% of the edible food that's currently being thrown out uh, now has to be redirected to people in need, which also is another thing about food being thrown out. Years ago, I got together with a bunch of pastors and we made a deal with uh, Hometown Buffet. Remember those guys? Um uh, and they would they were throwing out tons of food at the end of the day, like tons of it. And we made a deal with the hometown buffet that they were going to package it up and give it to us, and we were going to take it to homeless people or people in need. And we started to do that, and then they discovered it's illegal for them to do that. And so we just had to throw it away. Well, that just seems – but see, there's so much lawsuit going on that you might give it to some homeless person who then decides I'm going to sue you now that I got food poisoning from it, and that's so much problem. I got to take a break, then I'll get back for your calls. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Scott Fur with you. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Fur with you today. The number is 888-528-2557. We started talking about recyclables and... Um, Spurred on because I moved here and the recyclable containers are different. The black and blue ones are the opposite in San Diego than they are up here, I guess, apparently. So I threw the wrong thing in the wrong bucket. And uh, I don't want to do that. And I was thinking that we should be able to do better at this. With all of the, the conversation and the arguing about the environment and climate change and all the different things people have to say and worry about. 
it seems like there are things that we really could do that regardless of your opinion about those things politically, regardless of your opinion about climate change and how serious or unserious you think some of those things are, shouldn't we be able to recycle better? And not just think we're recycling, but do better. And as Christians, I think that we have an opportunity, you know, to be stewards of the earth. We don't, uh, you know, it does worry me how much trash, I think about this a lot, how much trash just my family puts out. In fact, I'm looking at this bin that I've got. It's much smaller than the one I had in San Diego. I thought, that's not big enough. How in the world are we going to do this? 888-528-2557. Sonny from Orange, welcome to Southern California Live. Hold on, Sonny, just a minute there. Sonny from Orange, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, I just want to make a comment about the Van Gogh um, painting, gluing the hands, uh, and how I've had multiple discussions with young people about uh, the fossil fuel discussion and how uneducated they are. Yeah. (laughs) And they don't understand that all plastic products are made from petroleum products. Right. So from fossil fuels. So I try to tell them you're, you're driving a car with mostly plastic. Most everything in your house is plastic and uh, your vegan shoes are made of plastic and they're all from fossil fuels. Um, and probably the glue that they glued their hands onto was a silicone product, which was made from fossil fuels. And this is how uneducated they are in doing their research, that we depend on fossil fuels not just for, for transportation, but for m- most household products. Almost everything. And if you take a look at, yes, and if you take a look at the environmental laws, we were using paper, and they banned paper and implemented plastic. Um, and so most of these environmental laws don't have anything to do with the environment. They have everything to do with money. And you have to follow the money. Right. So this is this is where I try to tell people, I go, you can't sit there eliminating something that the system can't handle right now. 60% of the energy that comes from electricity is coming from fossil fuels, which means if you buy your electric car, you're still burning fossil fuels to get it. You have all of the goods and services are going up and inflation's going up because fuel prices are going up. Why? Because the planes aren't battery operated, the trains aren't battery operated, and most of the transportation to transport these goods from one place to another to get to your homes, including Amazon, um, require fossil fuels. We're just not at a place where we can just stop the pipeline and have everyone go on electricity. Um, my city alone said you you know they're they're doing they're stopping a lot of uh you know shutting down the grid because they can't handle electric cars and your air conditioning at the same time so this is where we have to educate people but they've been brainwashed in school to think that fossil fuels are bad when they're endless i mean i dated someone with a master's degree in geology and he was his job was to look for oil in the ocean and we have an abundance. He said there was, there's never been a shortage of fossil fuels, as well as the, the California codes for smog are so strict that we, the you know, gas-powered cars emit such few 
um, you know, pollution compared to other countries. And then, you know, China and India don't have air quality laws. So even if every single American got an electric car, it would not make any dent because China and Asia and India do not have those air quality laws, and they're the most polluting country. Yeah, it's a global, so, uh, you know, when you're dealing with the environment, it's a global issue, right? We could disappear off the face of the earth, America could, and we still have uh, those problems. Sonny, why do you think, and you're right about it, I'm on a website right now, during the break we were talking about how everything in the studio here now is probably made from fossil fuels. Why do we not know exactly. this? I'm on, I'm on a website that shows all the different things, just about anything you can think of that's made from fossil fuels. Why do we, why do we not know this? Um, I, because I, I think, I mean, I'm a, I teach and I, I try to inform. I, yeah. I studied in East Germany behind the wall mm. uh, from communism, and I saw a lot of things happening, and it's been a deja vu the last two years. Um, and you have to follow the money, yeah. the way they control people to get them to change directions politically is to stop transportation, stop jobs. So the first thing was, let's prevent people from going to their jobs and getting work. Um, how do we do that? Oh, you know, this virus, let's sure. shut, shut everything hey, down. Hey, Sonny, can I ask um, you something? Then, you- can, and I, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt here, but I only have a couple minutes left. But you said something that uh, I think is interesting. You said you were in, you you worked, did you work in East Germany? Is that where you were? Or did you grow no, up there? You studied there? Studied, I studied communism behind the wall by the East German government. Yeah, the reason I'm asking and, you this is uh, that I was in, I was in East Germany. And I made a comment uh-huh. a while ago, I did a little show on how the feeling that I had when I was in East Germany as a tourist, okay, but I was there for a little bit. Mm-hmm the sense of hopelessness and the sense of it's it's hard to explain that I've never had that sense until the COVID restrictions. I had it again. And you said the same thing. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. It, um, we had to wait in line with our passports to go into a store and we couldn't touch anything. Um, they, they had to touch it for us. Right. And the same thing happened. We couldn't touch anything because we might catch a virus. They were vaccinating during that time too that this when you know the what's coming out of the marxist playbook then you can see it clearly i'm 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 trying to educate people because i studied it i saw it in person and this it has nothing to do with fossil fuels this has nothing to do with with um food shortage this is what happens when they want to get everyone depending on the government and the government controlling because you have to take away free enterprise in order to have communism. And yeah, all right, Sonny, I got to go. I'm running out of time here for the program, but I appreciate your your call and uh, pointing out uh, those things. I mentioned I'm on that that website, and you know she's making a point here. I'm asking why don't we know this? You can Google this yourself. This is some you know site called Rankin Energy. I don't know anything about them. But it says out of a 42-gallon barrel of oil, it creates 19.4 gallons of gasoline. The rest, over half of it, is used to make things like, and then there's this huge list. I mean, sweaters, upholstery, insecticides, nail polish, fishing lures, golf bags, tires, 
uh, dishwasher parts, toolboxes, shoe polish, soap, shoes, purses, antihistamines, vitamin capsules, dashboards, putty, percolators, skis, tool racks, mops, slacks, insect repellent, oil filters. It just goes on and on. It's a huge list of things. Combs, clothes, CDs and DVDs, toothbrushes. All of these things are are made by fossil fuels, with fossil fuels. And uh, there's definitely something that we should be aware of is that why we don't know this. These poor kids who uh, attach themselves to that painting there and are upset, I wonder if they – it might be true that the glue that they used to glue themselves to the side of that painting was itself made out of fossil fuels. Uh, Why don't we know this? And uh, Sonny's concern is that it has to do with uh, government not wanting you to to know that stuff for uh, political reasons. Um, You know, I don't want to – yeah, I want to be careful about that kind of thing, but it's a very good question. Why are we so unaware? And I thought about that with the recycling. It's like, you know, recycling is something we can do for the environment, regardless of what you, you think or worry about. We ought to be really good at this. It's something that we can do. We have the technology. You know, you can recycle styrofoam. I was always told for years, oh, you can't recycle styrofoam. Not true. You can. Google it. There are places right here in Southern California. You can take your styrofoam too, and they will recycle it. And uh, some people think we ought to do more styrofoam because uh, it doesn't take as much energy. It's just uh, less. There's just a complicated process, but um, maybe there's some good to it. There's just a lot of things that we seem to come to an understanding about related to these things that aren't really true. And, uh, you know, I'll I'll admit that uh, my feeling of uh, in East Germany was the same as what she said there, that there is a, a sense here of the COVID. I think it was the oppression of not being able to see people, of being separated from people and all of the different things. Uh, that was something that people experienced, and it was something that people ran from. Uh, when that wall came down, you know, people didn't stay home. They got in their cars and they left for fear that the wall might come back up, that they might change their mind. Something to study, lots to talk about there, lots of different things. What I would encourage you to do, friends, is figure out how to recycle. The state is going to make you recycle your food and do some other things here pretty soon. Uh, I think it's already the law. You just have some period of time to get uh, ready for that. And to be thinking about your freedom as we celebrate the freedom that we have and to remember that the freedom can go away. Just uh, be aware of that. That's why we celebrate Independence Day and the freedom that we have and that we should be aware that we could lose it. Freedom is not the normal way of things. Tyranny is. And it happens when the people have no ability to hold leaders accountable and where we live in a world of untruth. Friends, for believers, all of this stuff shouldn't be uh, a surprise. We should recognize that the scriptures tell us that the world is going to be full of confusion and lies. That's what the evil one wants to do. But we have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. And uh, the history of the world is headed exactly the direction the Bible says it's going to go in, something that you should think about. All right, I'm out of time for today. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. We'll have Open Line Friday. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. Go to kkla.com to get our podcast, kkla.com. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.